Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Welcome to the MLB Extras Cleveland Indians podcast. I'm Anthony Kastrovitz, joined by Indians beat reporter Jordan Bastian. JB, it's been a while. We haven't done one of these podcasts in a while. How you been? I've talked to you in person, but I, we haven't podcasted in a while. This is a whole different experience. Yeah, usually when you talk to me, you put a phone down and hit record. It's a little awkward. Uh, but, you know, yeah, this is uh, this is good. Welcome back. It's nice to be back, um, and the Indians are going to have some big pieces back in, in 2019. We know that, but they're also going to lose some pieces. Um, you know, what happened against the Astros, I'm I'm of the mind that, look, the better team not only won, but won convincingly. Um, I, I think all the things we saw during the course of the regular season kind of played out before our eyes, where the Indians were a team that you know thrived within a weak AL Central division, and ultimately couldn't hang with what is a superpower Astros team that, that won 12 more games during the regular season, had a far better run differential. Um, yeah, I, I like the look of the Indians roster going into October, but the, the pieces just didn't add up. How, how you know, for, for this franchise at this moment and with some big names coming off the books and Michael Brantley, uh, of course, being a, a big one in the lineup and Andrew Miller and Cody Allen in the bullpen, you know, how concerning in the big picture was that division series loss and as they head into uh, 2019? I think you hit the nail on the head. And, you know, Terry Francona has had a quote that he so often is likes, likes to say, which is sometimes when you have a lot of questions, the answer is going to be no. And I thought they just went in to that, into the postseason with, with a lot of questions. And they tried to answer those questions in the three, four weeks leading up to it, where if you flash back to a year ago when they were going in against the Yankees, they were hit with a bunch of question marks right before the playoffs and they kind of got away from what had been working throughout that uh, 22 game winning streak and, and during that incredible second half and they went into the, into the playoffs with way more unknowns. I thought they did a good job this time of trying to answer a lot of the questions in the weeks leading up to the playoffs, getting Andrew Miller and Cody Allen where they felt comfortable building Josh Donaldson up, aligning the rotation the way they wanted to not getting cute with the roster kind of going in with, Hey, this is what we want. And this is the way it should work. Um, instead of doing any kind of, you know, too much tweaking around. I know Trevor Bauer was in the bullpen, but you know, a lot of that had to do with the the bullpen issues and combined with Bauer's pitch count, not being built up after the injury. So long, long winded short, I, I thought they went in really positioned well, but like you said, the things that were problematic throughout the regular season 
kind of just became magnified in those three games against the Astros. And the Astros are as good as any team right now at, at exposing lineup weak spots. Um, and I think that's – you had Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole just go out and dominate and, and really set the tone. And, you know, you can say what you want about, uh, you know, should the Indians make changes after two off seasons of uh, not hitting in October or, you know, does somebody need to be held accountable or how much did analytics play a role? I, I just think one team – was better. One team had more weaknesses and it got exposed in a very dramatic way. Uh, but the Indians went in positioned well, and now they're going to have a lot of questions this winter uh, to solve a lot of puzzle pieces to, to move around. And uh, Andrew Miller, Cody Allen, Michael Brantley, as you mentioned, all going to be free agents. Um, you know, and there's going to be question marks at each outfield spot. You know, there's going to be question of where do you put Jose Ramirez at second or third, how do you give Yandy Diaz a chance? Uh, you know, should you trade from a position of strength or rotation to try and address some of these issues of need? You know, is the bullpen need to have a few pieces added? There's a lot of things that they need to solve in this what's going to be a very important winter. But the good news is the division is still set up the way it is, and the Indians should still go in as the favorites. But as any Indians fan will say, obviously you know, that wasn't the goal this year. And maybe the division was a detriment when uh, the smoke cleared on the season. Yeah. And, and by the way, I didn't even mention Josh Donaldson as one of the prominent uh, pending free agents in, in the open there. Um, I should have, but boy, it, it, I think that's one of those things where 10 years from now, we'll look back and go, Hey, remember when Josh Donaldson was on the Indians? That was kind of weird. Yeah. You know, he played a handful of games, but then played 16 games in the regular season and then one for 11 uh, showing in, in the postseason. So uh, probably a worthwhile gamble for what they gave up, but obviously uh, did not net much fruit. And and he will uh, head off, you know, probably to greener pastures, uh, you know, pun intended there. So, um, but yeah, that that gets to the heart of the matter, which is the Indians have a lot of money coming off the books, but and I'm, you can explain this to the listeners, you know, they have a lot of money coming due uh, in terms of raises in house, and that's going to probably offset each other essentially. Yeah, I think everyone just sort of sees, oh man, look at all these players leaving. That means we have all that money to spend, and that's not how it works, and it's especially not how it works when you're the Cleveland Indians um, who have really tried to maximize every dollar in this this window here that they've had, which should continue for the next couple of years, but they're not going to have as much wiggle room as I think some fans think. You know, you do have a little over $40 million coming off the books. Uh, there's Through arbitration, I think right now, if they were to bring back all their arbitration guys, uh, I think it's eight off the top of my head, uh, headlined by Trevor Bauer and by Francisco Lindor, who could challenge the first-year arbitration record uh, set by Chris Bryant, which was, I think, 10.8. You know, Lindor might end up being around the same range for his first year of ARB salary. So you're going to have over $30 million, uh coming to those guys based on what's projected. That's roughly uh, 16, 17 in that range raise over what that group made a year ago and then when you just look at the guys under guaranteed contracts you're going to have another 15 to 17 million dollars in raises coming from that side so when you add up the raises through arbitration and the raises through guaranteed contracts you know all of a sudden that the gap between the money leaving and the money increasing internally is not that large and that's where the Indians are going to have to be creative again. But, you know, I think creativity has kind of been the 
the uh, you know the signature of this front office. You know, no one expected them to go get Andrew Miller. They went and did that. No one expected them to sign Edwin Encarnacion a couple winters ago, and you know they did that. And they've pulled off some some big trades in the past as well. And I think you're going to see if they're going to want to make blockbuster additions, they're going to need to find a way to move some of this money around, uh, maybe exploring some trades for guys that are that are under contract. And that's where fans start asking questions like, is it time to explore a trade for Corey Kluber? You know, is it time to explore trading Carlos Carrasco, who's if they pick up this option, when they pick up this option of his, uh, will be in his last year with the team. Uh, so a lot of those questions make a lot of sense right now, given how many needs they have and how limited it looks like they still will be financially. Yeah, they're going to have to get creative and they're going to have to be lucky, quite frankly. Because, um, yeah, th- th- certainly there's a great core of talent here. The The rotation is locked up for 2019 in Kluber, Carrasco, Bauer, Mike Clevenger, and Shane Bieber, uh, who, of course, made great strides in his rookie year. Uh, you got Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez in the lineup. Edwin Encarnacion is under wraps for one more year. Uh, they made the proactive move for Brad Hand uh, at the July trade deadline. Of course, he's under control for another two years. So in reasonably good shape. And as you said, the AL Central is in their back pocket. Basically, it would take an act of God for them to open as anything <laughs> other than the prohibitive favorite in the AL Central. But yeah, if, after uh, you know two division series exits, and particularly this one where you know, I think they would can be accused of kind of taking their foot off the gas pedal a, a bit against the Yankees in, in 2017. And then Corey Kluber just, you know, did not pitch well in that series. And that bit them in a big way. Um, but 2017 just felt like I mean, they were they were not in it. Right. I mean, they, they took two leads and uh, they, they took the lead first in, in game two and game three and, and could not hold on. But generally speaking, um, that was a whooping, you know, on, yeah. on the part of the Astros. So. Um, it does. It leads to some big picture questions about what is the right way to go about things here. And you don't want to blow it up by any stretch of the imagination, because, again, the division is in hand. And if you get to October, that's an opportunity not to be taken lightly. But right. certainly some things have to <laughs> I don't know if it means trading a starter, but um, you got to get seriously creative and seriously lucky to have a championship cal- caliber roster next year. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how they handle the free agents. You know, Miller and Allen are both coming off down years. So I'm sure their guys internally are looking at, well, what's realistic for what these guys are going to get in free agency. You've got Michael Brantley, who in terms of free agent dollar value, um, based on the three and a half war that he put up, you know, that's worth, you know, if you look at fan graphs, 28 million in free agent dollars. Well, the qualifying offers 17.9. So maybe it makes sense to offer Michael Brantley that one year deal, knowing how long he's been with the organization, what he means in that clubhouse and maybe familiarity in his case makes a lot of sense. You know, so I think it's going to be interesting to see how they weigh the qualifying offers with these guys, um, you know, to try and guard against uh, draft pick compensation, but also knowing that, well, if you offer Cody Allen a qualifying offer, he might take that given the year he just had. And now you've just hindered yourself over what you can do in free agency otherwise. So those are going to be interesting decisions to follow. And then the other storyline that's going to be interesting to follow this winter and throughout spring is, I don't know if you remember this name, kind of a random Indian from the past, Danny Salazar. You know, he was a big part of this rotation and the core and, you know, a, a guy that flew up through the system. And then he just disappeared this year because of that shoulder injury. Well, he's going to be uh, presumably starting a throwing program again in November I know we always get these Danny Salazar updates and it's kind of a, you take them for what they're worth 
Uh, you believe it when you see it with him right now, um, because all year we got those updates and it never came to fruition. But when we get to spring training, you know, looking at the bullpen mix, I would be very intrigued if a healthy Danny Salazar could figure a way into that bullpen mix, given the the type of strikeout stuff that he can have, uh, especially in short bursts. Yeah, they settled uh, an arbitration with him last year for uh, one year and five million dollars, and you know he did throw a pitch. I I don't sometimes in that kind of scenario <laughs> the guy becomes a non tender candidate, but he feels pretty important to them. I mean, maybe he doesn't throw a pitch in 2019 for all we know, but as far as the outlook right now, uh, as you said, kind of a an X factor is a rotation depth slash perhaps bullpen piece. Um, it, it seems worth worth the while, uh, you know, given what we know about the open market and pitching and, and how much you know, upside arms can cost you in free agency. It seems yeah. worth the, worth the while to tender him a contract, right? I would think so. And again, the Indians are kind of have to be that team that takes some of those gambles because the last thing the Indians want, as you know, Francona has said so many times using Carlos Carrasco as the example is you don't want to give up on a guy and then watch him blossom somewhere else when you're a, a, a mid market team like Cleveland, because those are the things you, you have to have the patience to kind of see things through. And, you know, as as strong as the rotation is for the Indians, it's also important to remember that the depth right behind that group is pretty uncertain. You know, if one or two guys go down for injury, uh, I'm not sure right now as we sit here who the next in line would be. You've got Cody Anderson, who's coming back from Tommy John's surgery. You've got Danny Salazar, who missed the whole, whole year. Uh, Josh Tomlin has kind of been around forever. He's going to be a free agent. Um, you know, fans have their opinions of him, but that's a depth guy that they're losing. Uh, and kind of on the prospect front, you know, maybe Tristan McKenzie's on the rise, but I don't know if I'd throw him right into that major league mix yet. He still seems like he's a, a bit away from that. That said, no one kind of had Shane Bieber on their radar when we were going into 2018 and he finished the year as a, a very promising guy in that rotation, a guy they were leaning on and, had they gone to a game for a guy that would have been taking the ball for the Indians. So, you know, those are things to keep in mind as fans sort of throw around trade ideas with these starting pitchers. Well, yeah, the, the front five is very strong, but the depth behind that group um, is kind of suspect right now. So we're going to do these podcasts uh, throughout the offseason. We'll have plenty of, of topics to talk about. But one last thing, JB, that you know, it's kind of front of mind right now. We sat there last week uh, in the postmortem with Terry Francona, Chris Antonetti, and Mike Chernoff. And it, it got a little contentious uh, when the subject of Jose Ramirez's slump came up. And what does that mean for Ty Van Berkeley, the hitting coach? Obviously, they're not making any changes to the coaching staff. But um, it's, it's quite a bummer that Jose Ramirez had one of the great seasons in franchise history, 39 homers, 38 doubles, uh, 34 stolen bases. And we're going to spend all winter talking about how much he stunk up the joint in the last six or seven weeks of the season, including the postseason, a 546 OPS from August 20th through the division series. That was the lowest uh, among all qualifiers in Major League Baseball. So, um, yeah, that, that seems like a, a pretty big concern going into the winter, especially with you know Michael Brantley in all likelihood going elsewhere. Um, you, you know that Ramirez's bat-to-ball skills are so key to that lineup, and the guy just absolutely disappeared in the last couple of months of the season. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's there's a few layers there, but I, I think he knows what the pitchers are doing to him, and when they just stop throwing him fastballs, uh, you know, he had trouble adjusting to that in August, but then what happened after that was in September and then in the playoffs, he saw his fastball percentage rise 
up to his season level and then kind of exceeding it. So now he was getting even more fastballs. So pitchers were challenging him and he wasn't able to make that adjustment back. And I think there was maybe this sort of hangover period from the way pitchers were approaching him in August. And then it just sort of locked him up and it looked like he wasn't able to just sort of go up there and, uh, you know, kind of read pitchers the way he did so well over the first four months of the season. I mean, the good news here is you've been around Jose Ramirez and I've been around him. I mean, the guy is an intelligent hitter. You know, he's going to know what he's going to spend all these months this winter kind of looking through what pitchers were doing. And he's going to go into next year knowing that that's going to be an approach again and, and how to attack it. But, you know, the guy, even with six weeks, two months of struggles, is still going to end up probably top five in, in the AL MVP voting. And that was sort of Terry Francona's message uh, when people were challenging him on, does somebody need to be accountable for Ramirez not making adjustments for the lineup kind of going into the tank for two Octobers in a row? You know, does this mean Ty Van Berkelio or somebody needs to be held accountable? And Terry Francona's message was, hey, he's going to look at the whole body of work and the whole body of work said, the Indians offense was a top five or top three, depending on what stat you're looking at offense in the American league and, and, and major league baseball last season. And that is what Francona was choosing to lean on was that the entirety of the work for Ramirez and the lineup was very strong. And, and he gave Van Berkelio and, and Victor Rodriguez and the rest of the staff, you know, a lot of credit for those things. Uh, so I think, you're going to go into the year with with the same staff as you know as we sit here right now. Um, we'll see what happens over the course of the winter, but uh, Terry Francona says his choice is to return with the same coaching staff. All right, great insight as always from our Indians.com reporter Jordan Bastian. And again, check back here uh, throughout the course of the long, cold Cleveland winter, and we'll be talking tribe with you, JB. Thanks for doing this. No problem. Anytime, AC. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.